Well, we've entitled this uh, series, The Journey, because life is very much a journey as God takes us from one season to another season, both personally and as a church. And I think it's safe to say for all of us that life doesn't always go exactly like we hoped it would, like we pictured in our minds that it would, like we daydreamed about no matter who we are. And that's certainly been the case for Joseph. As we look at his story in the Old Testament, his life has been nothing short of a roller coaster and a roller coaster that doesn't seem to end. It just keeps going and going. It's definitely safe to say life has not met his younger expectations. We first started his story when he was 17 and he had these dreams that have fallen far short of reality. In many ways could have seemed the very opposite. Uh, If I was Joseph, or maybe you've felt this way before, it would almost seem like a big scam to get your hopes up and then just to have the rug pulled out from under you. What you think you're going to get is not what you end up getting. It's kind of like food marketing. I don't know if you know this, but uh, there are people who are paid just to make food look good for marketing purposes. Here's some examples of what is in marketing and then what you actually get when you order the product. It's not like it's pictured to be. It's almost like it mocks you to get your hopes up, right? Your mouth salivates. It's always bad to show food during a Sunday morning service because it makes us hungry. It's almost as if it mocks us and then it gives us something else in return. And that's where we find Joseph here in the first book of the Bible and Genesis. He's this beloved son. Remember, he gets a coat of many colors. He has a dream that everybody will bow down to him, that God's favor is upon him. And it's not the picture in the ad. As his life begins to unfold, it's almost the feeling that he's getting mocked. He's got brothers who despise him, who throw him into a pit. He ends up being sold into slavery. Last week in his story, he's falsely accused of rape, and then he is thrown into prison. And that's been the life of Joseph so far. Instead of the picture, it's more like the reality that has been far from what he expected. As we get into today's story, I think an important element of this story that's easy to overlook, because we've been looking at Joseph's life in these weekly slices. And he's gone from this, you know, handsome robe that he had to being thrown into a cistern to being sold into slavery. And it's just been happening. Boom, boom, boom. But really what we have discussed over three now, this will be the fourth week is taking part in Joseph's life over 13 years. So this is Joseph's life from age 17 to age 30. So that disappointment hits a little bit harder. That betrayal stings a little bit more. There are moments when he sees God's favor and blessing, and then there are long stretches of time where he's got to feel like, God, where have you gone? Why did I even bother getting my hopes up? The question there is, how do we make it in those moments between hope? It's the waiting. And I feel like that's where most of life is between those moments where we feel God's presence and his promise in our life and then all of the in-between until we see those things come 
to pass. Dreams and disappointments, love and heartbreak and all of the rest of life that fills up that space in between. As Tom Petty says, the waiting is the hardest part, right? It's that space in between that is hard. So how do we respond to God when we're, when we're waiting on his presence, his power, his promises in our lives? The real question is, how do we wait well? That's what we're going to look at in Joseph's life today. And maybe it's just me. I generally consider myself a pretty patient man, but I don't know that I wait well. And it's because we're so accustomed to it in our society, right? I can order something from HEB and just go pick it up. I can order from Amazon. It'll be at my house sometimes overnight, sometimes in two days. And if it's two days, I'm like, I have to wait two days for it to get here. You know, if you have to wait in line at the gas pump, such a hassle. Um, All these things in our life, I mean, they're great. They add to our lives. We can get a little spoiled by them. We don't like the waiting. Negative consequences that we all face as we wait on things. First of all, I could produce cynicism in us. As we wait for something in life, we can feel like, This is just a scam. This is rigged against me. I shouldn't have to be waiting this long. Or we could feel self-pity and think this is all about me. This waiting is making me miserable. It's creating a hassle in my life. We can feel sorry for ourselves. As we wait, it can create passivity where we feel like it doesn't really matter what I do anyway. Anything I try doesn't make a difference, so why even bother? I'll just go binge Netflix for a while. Or ultimately, it can lead us to despair. Why even try? I'm just going to stop learning. I'm going to stop growing. I'm going to stop giving. I'm going to stop serving. I'm just going to give up. And those are broad generalizations, but I think we can all find ourselves hitting those categories at some point in our lives, cynicism, self-pity, passivity, or despair, because we just grow tired in the waiting. Joseph's story, on the other hand, I think we can deduct four opposite responses to those things. Keep in mind, 13 years, having a dream, going from one bad moment to getting your hopes up to another bad moment to getting your hopes up to an even worse moment just over and over. So that in between, the question is, how do we wait well? Genesis chapter 40, we'll begin in verse one and the first three words give us some clue there. Sometime later, it's been a while. Maybe it's been a year, maybe it's been two years, but it's been a while. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended the royal master. Remember, Pharaoh is the ruler of what would have been the powerhouse in this ancient time of the world. He is the big dog. He's got his own cupbearer. I mean, all of us know what that is from old movies, right? Somebody who tastes the cup just in case it's poisoned, So the king won't die. The Pharaoh won't die. 
the cupbearer takes his risks. We don't know what he's done. We don't know what the chief baker has done, but they have done something that offended Pharaoh and some time has passed. Verse two, Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in prison where Joseph was. In the palace of the captain of the guard, that's Potiphar, we talked about him last week, they remained in prison for, here it is again, quite some time. Time is passing. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. So here's Joseph, still in prison. We see twice in these verses, quite some time, quite some time. He's in prison for a long time, and along come Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker. Verse 5, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed they both looked upset. So as we continue to look at this, let's look at Joseph's responses in the midst of after some time while he waits. How does he wait well? I think the first thing that we can deduct is that Joseph stays sympathetic. Instead of becoming cynical, feeling like this is all a scam, which would have been very easy when you're in prison for quite some time, he stays Sympathetic. It says that he looked at the cupbearer and the baker and he notices empathy. They're both upset. He responds to them, Why do you look so worried? He asks. Now, this is a shift from Joseph's younger days when he wasn't able to read the room, right? When he just blurted out his dream to his brothers because he didn't understand their emotions. In this instance, as Joseph has matured to about 30 years old now. He can see something is going on with these two guys. They're upset. Of course they're upset. They've been thrown in prison from Pharaoh, which doesn't often end up good. They don't often get a second chance. Joseph stays sympathetic. And I don't just mean this in a humanistic, you know, let's just have a warm, fuzzy, empathy moment. Here's what I mean when I tell us in the waiting, stay sympathetic. I mean that you have the spirit of God within you, as Joseph did. And as we allow the spirit of God within us to empathize and sympathize with people around us, God can use us in a tremendous way while we wait. If we allow ourselves to stay Connected to the vine, he produces fruit within us. So Joseph asked these guys, why are you worried? And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. And this is where my sarcastic uh, responses would get me in trouble because I would feel like saying, oh, you guys have it so hard. You had a dream and you can't figure it out. I've been in prison for 13 years. I've been enslaved. I was thrown into a pit. I've been abused, all of these things. And you're upset because you had a dream you can't figure out. But he has sympathy. He sees that they're in pain, that they're frustrated. 
And I think for all of us, we've got to guard against, in the time of waiting, guard against our hearts becoming hard. Because that will, that will prevent us from being able to see what other people are going through in their lives. Joseph could have gotten cynical easily here about these other people's pain, but he doesn't. He has sympathy. He reminds me of Romans 12, 15 that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's David. That's Joseph here. Um, And we can only really do that as we stay connected to the heart of God. Don't allow times of waiting in our lives, times of adversity, to steal your empathy, to steal your sympathy for others but rather remain connected to the Holy Spirit so that we can love as he loves, so that we can see as he sees. This isn't easy to do. I read a secular article this week that studied culture and concluded more uncertainty plus more anxiety leads to less empathy. And I think that that's pretty obvious, but essentially what it's saying The more bad news that we're taking in and consuming in our lives, the less empathy that we're going to have for others. So one of the best ways that we can have hope in the midst of waiting is to stay sympathetic towards others by staying connected to the Spirit of God. And while we wait, it's important that we make good use of that time, and we do that by serving others. The second thing that we can deduct here from from Joseph's waiting. Serving others is really the antidote to self-pity. Over the years, I've counseled many people that come in, they've got all these problems, and I ask them, where is it that you can start to make a difference in somebody else's life? In other words, don't sit around filling up on anxiety about things that you can't control anyway. Take action in the meantime and find a way to make a difference in other people's lives while you wait. It will help you and it will help them. Here's Joseph's response. The end of verse eight, interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes, squeezed the juice into the cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Joseph then has good news. For the cupbearer. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. Joseph, in this moment, takes this opportunity to let God work through him. It's kind of ironic that he wasn't able to interpret his own dream, but in this moment, as he is available to God, he is able to interpret the cupbearer's dream and the baker's dream 
here in a moment. Joseph finds an opportunity to serve others. And you could say, well, that, that would be great. I would do that if I could interpret people's dreams. I could help people that way, right? Your opportunity is going to be different. How you will serve others, how God will open the doors of opportunity for each one of us will look different. The key is that we stay ready, available to serve others as God gives us that opportunity. So you have empathy and sympathy for others. You have the spirit of God within you as you remain connected to him. As those things come together, don't underestimate God's power through you to make a difference in any situation that you may face. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He says, Paul says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is within you. So while you are waiting, what opportunity do we have to serve others? Now, you may not interpret dreams, but the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is within you. So as we're available, there is no limit to what God can do in and through us as we seek to serve others. It goes on to say in Ephesians 2 that this power is so that you can do good works. To do good works is to take the opportunities that God gives you to serve others. Good deeds lead to goodwill that leads to opportunities to share the good news. See, life isn't about you standing on a street corner and yelling at everybody the good news. Take the opportunities that God has given you to serve other people, and it will display God's good news and open up the door of relationship for you to be able to share what God has done in and through you. You don't even have to plan it out. You just make yourself available to God. And in his providence, he will open the doors through his spirit. It's always been the heart of Rock Hills to serve other people. Uh, That's one of the reasons we've got that event coming up with Children's Hunger Fund. But look for opportunities. Where is it in your life, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your job where you can serve others. Even like Joseph here, sometimes in the most unlikely circumstances, God will open the door for you to be able to serve others. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, but you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. Here's Joseph in life's ugliest circumstances, and he's still saying, God, would you use me to make a difference? He's made himself available to serve others. So while we're in that period of life where we're waiting, stay sympathetic. 
to those around you. And as you do, look for opportunities to serve others. While you are waiting, the third thing, be proactive. Remember, one of the negative consequences of waiting is we just become passive. Say, it doesn't matter what I do anyway, but I encourage you in that time, begin to ask yourself, what should I be doing? What steps do I need to take? Where do I need to correct things in my life? As we're proactive, we're self-advocating. One of the things that we teach Nate often as he's growing up and becoming a young man with his own unique set of needs is you've got, you've got to self-advocate for yourself. What does self-advocate mean, Nate? To ask for help where you need help, where you have a need. There may be places in your life as you wait where you just simply need to speak up. To be a good Christian has never meant that you're just supposed to shut up and be a doormat. You're just supposed to suffer. But as we wait, we wait proactively for ourselves, but also for others. 14 and 15. Here's what Joseph said stands up for himself, and please remember me and do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I am here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. I love that this story includes this this couple of sentences here, because though it seems like Joseph is just making the best of things while he goes from one circumstance to another circumstance, these two verses give us a picture. He's frustrated with his situation. He knows this is not how it is supposed to be. So he's speaking up against injustice. So sometimes as we wait, as we have sympathy, as we serve others, there will be opportunities for us to speak up, to be proactive, to self-advocate, to, to advocate for those who have no voice. A little later in the Old Testament, we'll see other examples of this. King Saul is bent on killing young David, who will later become king. David in this situation is proactive. What does he do? He doesn't just accept that's his fate. Well, the king wants to kill me. I might as well go ahead and die. We see in scripture, he runs and he even goes to extreme lengths to hide from King Saul. Then in moments when Saul has some clarity of mind, David will go and make his case to King Saul. In the New Testament, Joseph and Mary flee to Egypt as Herod seeks to kill baby Jesus. The apostle Paul is a great example He's unjustly imprisoned as the church begins to take off and grow. He's imprisoned in Philippi. He's beaten nearly to death. In the midst of this, he sings praises. And then when he has the opportunity, he speaks up and he makes his case. And as he makes his case, the city fathers in Philippi realize they've gone outside of the law themselves. And so their response is, they go to Paul and they just ask him quietly to leave. Hey, sorry about this. Sorry we put you in prison and that whole deal. 
Let's just call bygones to be bygones. Why don't you leave the city? We'll pretend like this never happened. Acts 16, 37 through 40. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this to the city, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with believers and encouraged them once more. And then they left town. In the midst of waiting, don't just do nothing, hoping that someday God will come through. Do what you can, trusting that God will work through all things. Where do you need to stand up? Where do you need to speak up? Who do you need to help? Joseph says, when you speak to Pharaoh, tell him to get me out of here. Let's continue in the story. Come to the chief baker in verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This, was, this is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three days, the baskets rep also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. The birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all the officials and staff. He summoned the chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. Then he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he could, uh, so that he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he had interpreted his dream. Wah, wah, wah. Poor baker. Joseph serves. He interprets this dream, and it comes to pass for both of them. Unfortunately, one went well and one doesn't. But at least for the one that went well, the cupbearer, remember what he said as he self-advocated, as he was proactive Tell Pharaoh to get me out of here. Verse 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Uh, author and local pastor Max Lucado has a great book about Joseph. He describes Joseph this way. He says, Joseph is like a human pinata. It's just one hit after another. Yet in the midst of this, Joseph is sympathetic. He serves others and he is proactive. And the last thing, in order for us to wait well and so much of life that is the in-between, 
we see that Joseph does this. He stays ready. Instead of giving into despair, which he could have easily done, Joseph stays ready. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. Notice these words. It begins with again, two full years later. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. Another two whole years now pass as Joseph continues to wait. I would have been deep into despair by this point. I've done everything you ask me to do, God, over and over and over. I've tried to serve others. I've been empathetic. I've tried to speak for you. And here I am another two years. But Joseph, instead of giving in to despair, he is ready. For all of us, I don't know how long your wait will be. We tend to not prefer it to be very long, right? We get hungry. Physically, we want to be fed. We get restless. We want it to come to an end. Just a little bit of pain and we get so uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm just talking about minor things, but I'm talking about the big things that we face in life too, where we're just waiting and waiting. Rather than despair, what if we stayed ready for whatever God may have in store? First Peter 3.15, I love this verse, says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. So how do we wait well? In those moments and seasons and years of life, how do we wait well? We've been talking about Joseph, but Joseph isn't the hero of this story. The phrase that we see all through Joseph's story is this, the Lord was with Joseph. He's the one who's waiting and he's waiting well, but the reason he's waiting well is the Lord was with Joseph. And whatever you are facing, the Lord is with you. And as he is with you, let us wait well. He's not just with us in theory. God is physically and spiritually with you, actively working in the details that you cannot even see. At the end of the day, waiting is hard. We don't like it. I think the bottom line is that we don't, need to know all of God's plan to still be in God's will. We can't see the whole picture, but we can be in his will at this moment. We can take a step of faith and simple obedience to say, God, I'm going to remain connected to you. New Testament tells us when we remain connected to him, he produces fruit through our lives. So my prayer is that we as individuals and families in a church, we would stay sympathetic, that we would be ready to serve, 
we would be proactive for ourselves and those around us and that we would say, God, we are ready for whatever you want to do in and through us. God is working in whatever you're facing right now to bring his purpose to pass. I read a prayer this week by an author and pastor named Pete Briscoe. He says this, Jesus, am I an initiator of love even as I wait for better days? I long for you to initiate moments of sympathy and service through me starting today. Help me see this as part of my destiny from you. I choose to believe that you are quietly at work, behind the scenes, and at all times. I'm ready, Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the midst of unmet expectations, in the midst of unanswered questions, in the midst of things that we can't explain or directions that we don't know where they lead. But Father, we say we trust in you. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus to make a way for us, even when we can't see the way. So, Father, as we close this service today, would you hear our worship? Would you hear our words of surrender, our words of trust? And Father, I pray that you would give us hearts of sympathy, that you would give us hands that serve others, that you would give us voices that speak up. And Lord, may our spirits be ready. Father, forgive us of our sins. Make us a new creation. Make us whole. Lord, hear our worship now. Would you stand?
You were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God Cause all my life I've been faithful And all my life I've been so, so goodness of God Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down Surrendered now I give you everything Your goodness this is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, surrendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness. Is running after, it's running after me. And all my life have been faithful, and all my life have been so. next Sunday. We're also going to have our prayer team available if you need prayer for anything. Have a blessed week.